Welcome back to the Village Bonfire for another episode of the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. A podcast not just for your mind, but for your body and spirit too. Here we don't just talk theory. Instead, we compassionately engage with our lived experiences and a wide variety of topics together, all to invite the question, in these times we find ourselves in, how do we be more human? Thank you for being here. May these conversations awaken, inspire, repair, and evolve something deep within each of us and serve the wild, tender aliveness of our personal and collective hearts. So welcome back to the Wild Sacred Journey podcast. So as always, we begin with lighting our candle, our village fire, taking a few moments Just imagine and feel ourselves gathering together around its light and its warmth. Taking a few breaths in and out, maybe imagining things slowing just a little bit, like that energy of like leaning back on that stump or in that chair or on the ground, wherever you find yourself around the fire. At least for these moments together, there's nowhere else to be, no one else to be. And as we do that, that allows us to really become present with ourselves, with each other. with the land. And so we acknowledge the land where we each are. All of the other beings on that land, in that land, above that land. We acknowledge any ancestors of the land, our own ancestors as well, and sort of that that idea that, yes, we are this one point in time and space, and yet that one point is woven into this larger fabric. Acknowledging that, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you. And so today I have as my guest Tammy LeDrew, and Tammy is one of my teachers and someone who has had a significant influence on my journey, um, both in what she has taught with words and what she has taught through her presence. And so I, she's someone for me who feels really just like a, just a powerful but subtle and clear um, being and somebody who embodies 
something that feels really ancient and wise and loving and also a little edgy. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm thrilled to, yeah, to have her here. And I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I told her I would run her bio (laughs) by her before we began. And then I forgot. So this is going to be a surprise. So we'll see if she has anything she wants to add to it. We'll just allow that to happen in real time. (laughs) So welcome, Tammy. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me here. mm -hmm. Can't wait to see what you say. For being here. I know. (laughs) Shouldn't be a total surprise. It's been brought together from your website. (laughs) So uh, Tammy is a life artist, writer, and personal development coach who teaches people how to live better lives through awakening and wayfinding. Struck by lightning at the age of 17, Tammy found her inner and outer life transformed and her path illuminated. While the experience initially overwhelmed her system and led to many adaptive behaviors, seeking security and comfort, Her soul's desire to integrate also led her to a passion for the study of light and training in visual communications, psychotherapy, mindfulness, indigenous wisdom traditions, energy medicine, meditation, spiritual inquiry, and coaching. Through these trainings, as well as relationships with nature and other embodied spiritual masters, she soon found out that it's the quality of light, awareness that we bring to our relationship to life that informs our experience of life. Now as a conscious wayfinding guide and coach, the power, beauty, and strength of lightning symbolize how Tammy stands for her clients. Working in the mindfulness and personal development fields, she helps people of all ages connect with their inner inspiration, reclaim their spirit, and deliver their creative presence into the world. Tammy currently lives in Boquette, Panama, and the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, where in addition to teaching the art, heart, and science of living awareness and conscious wayfinding, she loves connecting with nature, all creatures great and small, creating art, writing, visiting friends, and traveling with her husband, Steve. So is there anything you'd like to add to that? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Quite different to hear somebody read that than Mm. if you write it yourself. Mm. I've done a lot. Wow. Right? I know. (laughs) Wow. It is funny how, yeah, we write these things and then it's like you hear someone read it back and it does. It like, there's a there is a difference to it. Mm-hmm. It changes your perception. I love mm-hmm. it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, one of the most human things I think is to sort of wonder why we're here and like what's our path and purpose. <laughs> and so I feel like we live in times with sort of so much information and so many opportunities. And it also feels like so little guidance when it comes to practices and tools for like healthy discernment. And so I'm. that's part of why that you know, you bringing this idea of conscious wayfinding forward felt intriguing to me in this sort of umbrella of like that question, how do we be more human in these times that mm. we're in? Um, so, but before we kind of get into that, I always like to start each episode with, um, yeah, inviting you to sort of introduce yourself. How would you like to introduce yourself in a way that sort of orients you in the social fabric of things for people listening? So, you know, as I feel into that, Kate, one of the things that I feel like that I do is I'm, I'm a traveler, Mm -hmm. kind of a sojourner and explorer who walks between worlds. Mm -hmm. And that's the world of the spirit and the physical world. 
And my literal work in this world is to help people harness that, that pure creative fire uh, on behalf of the full expression of their spirit, the kind of infinite sacred presence that it has its own unique divine imprint in each individual. And yet what I see is that the world is so calling for the full expression of each individual, not the conditioned expression. And so that is a part of conscious way, wayfinding. And so it's very much my calling. It's very mm. much my path. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like there's that piece right there, that difference between the conditioned expression and sort of the soul expression. And so I'd love to hear you share more about that. You know, I'm, I feel like sort of I'm, I have my experience of what that's been like working with you as, as my teacher. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for anybody listening, like I sort of feel like too, yeah, as an intermediary sort of for people listening, I think that would be lovely to explore that a little further. Like, what does that difference feel like for you? Or what is that? Well, let me, let me start with a little structure because I yeah. think that that helps people um kind of visualize and then connect with it so if you visualize three concentric circles there's the inner circle the middle circle and the outer circle and the inner circle has this little spark in it and that's where we come to life mm -hmm. and in the inner circle is also what i call that divine imprint it's our creative core essence, and it is birthed from that field of the infinite that runs through everything, the life, the energy, the waveform that runs through, through us, around us. And as we grow and have experiences in life, we also have what I call the conditioning, our thoughts, our beliefs, our are the emotional reactions that come from these experiences. So that's the middle circle. And those tend to be much heavier. And they're not true, but they are what has occurred. So there are experiences as well. And then the outer circle is more than what I call the soul circle. Mm -hmm. And the soul circle holds all of this. It's not that the conditioned self is wrong at all. It's simply a level of experience. Mm -hmm. And it touches the rest of life. But what gets out from these three circles, what gets expressed into the world is either conscious or unconscious. Mm. And so when our, our essence, our creative core essence, which is that divine imprint, which is, you can find it in the things that you love underneath it, the resonance of the things that you love. Uh, for example, you know, you mentioned I love light, and I do. I love all forms of light, and light is one of those things that it can, a tiny little light can dispel so much darkness, and yet it can both reveal and conceal depending on what it highlights. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very conscious with light, and that light, it's it's what I love, and when I feel what's underneath the resonance of what's underneath light. I feel this kind of infinite sacred presence and a pure creative fire. Mm. 
And for me, that is the unique divine imprint. We all come from that same field. So there's all what I call divinity. I don't care what you call it. Mm -hmm. It's the field of the infinite, if you will. Mm -hmm. But there is a unique expression of that for each individual that they, they lean towards. So they have their unique loves, their unique things that make them come alive. Mm -hmm. And it is so important that that be expressed in the world. But what often happens is that as we go on and we have, we have good things, but we also have traumas and they develop these beliefs that swirl around us, kind of like the winds of a hurricane. And we're, you know, we have that calm center, but the winds of the hurricane are blowing mm -hmm. and to get out of the calm center into life requires a different perspective mm -hmm. because we forget what we are. Mm -hmm. and we take on a role mm -hmm. so instead of meeting the world soul to soul we begin to meet the world role to role and that means we have positioned ourselves we are living in those swirling winds of our conditioned self mm -hmm. and that keeps us from the full expression of what we are mm -hmm. the converse of that is that remember i said the infinite is all around us and so when we want to experience it when we want to let it in it also bounces up against our conditioning and it may have a hard time coming all the way in it may bounce off of us because again that conditioning is swirling so how do we harness the winds of our conditioning on behalf of our spirit mm. how do we use the gold that is within those winds because there is gold in there. Mm -hmm. They're not bad. Like I said, there are life mm -hmm. lessons in there. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how do we spin it into, you know, how do we spin it into gold for mm -hmm. the full expression of spirit and humanity? Because we're not doing this just for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Not at all. And not just humanity. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. Because we are not separate from the world. Yeah. Or the universe for that matter. Mm. Yeah, I love that uh image. So thank you for all of that. That yeah, that's a very beautiful way of conceiving <clears throat> of I think a lot of ideas that we hear fragments of out and about in but that question of how do we integrate it? How do we really feel the truth of it not just know the truth of it in our heads but feel the truth of it from somewhere deeper in our bodies and i i love you know that it's funny i when you started talking it's like oh yeah that was i feel like one of the first questions you asked me was what do you love that cannot love you back you know, mm -hmm. and I think that that's like such, that was such a powerful piece. And I know I've used that a couple of times with clients too, you know, because yeah, to get out of that conditioning and into that, like, who are we without the gaze of another or without the, the, that, you know, and again, not to say that we're, as you said, we're connected to everything. And so it's not about being you know, there's plenty of sort of un, unhelpful individuality that like rhetoric that's also happening. So it's not that, you know, we're, we're wired for mirroring and attunement, you know, and connection with other people, but 
so much of our conditioning lives in our relationships with other people, our unconscious conditioning. It feels like initially when we start maybe on this path of, of more consciousness lives in that. And so kind of that coming back to self or finding that connection with self and then that connection with something else. And so I love that piece that that outer world too. And, and I think a lot of people can find that connection more initially in that outer world whether it's with like animals or nature in some way. And, and through that start to build some sense of relationships that maybe feel a little less fraught, a little less, less conditioned than sort of some of our human ones, and then start to bring that skill more into that center um, or not the center ring, but the middle ring as you were calling mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Cause we do, I see that so often that, you know, it's, it's, I heard someone say one time, you know, it's the things, the places where we carry our deepest wounds. And I've heard you say this before too, maybe in slightly different languaging, but you know, is, is it's like nestled right in there with the places that we carry our deepest gifts and our deeper, pa deepest passions. It wouldn't have hurt so badly if it didn't matter so much, you know, <laughs> and, um, yeah. And so there's, there's, what was the thread there? I was following. Just feeling that dropping into that, that space for a second, that sort of that truism of like the wound and the gift. Yeah. Oh, there it was. Yeah. And so that's why, yeah, it's from there. It's like, it's true that almost like what, what we long for is what we actually end up repelling the most when we're in those really conditioned spaces, actually, it's like, we're so busy seeking it. And, and yet, because it's so close to our conditioning and to where we carry those wounds and those traumas that, yeah, it's like, you know, and so I think for me, that's often a sign that I'm that I've gotten caught up in some conditioning <laughs> wins again. Because <laughs> I'm like, why? I'm like reaching for this and it's not happening. Something keeps like repelling it, you know? Hmm. That was, that's been a piece for me, I think the last couple of years, because there was, I've, I, I've noticed a lot, I think, particularly again, in sort of the, the spiritual and wellness spaces, there's a lot of this, like when it's right, it just flows sort of conversation. And I think that's a little bit of like an yes, and kind of space. And, and so perhaps this is kind of our next thread in this like wayfinding is, you know, what does that look like? And this is something I've been sitting with a lot the last couple of years, because I felt called in a particular path. And so I jumped right in on like what I thought was that trajectory was going to look like. <laughs> and then I just kept meeting wall after wall, after wall, after wall, after wall. And so I was sitting with like, like what part of the walls actually helping me build the skills I need to be able to hold like where it is I was aiming for in the first place and how much are the walls actually offering me redirects and telling me like, yes, that, but maybe not in this way, not in the way you thought. And so I guess turning that back over to you, perhaps what is, <laughs> yeah, what is that, 
you know, that, 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 that co-creative balance in wayfinding that space where, where we're sort of actively participating and then also listening or being guided. Um, I love what you're mentioning about the walls, whether it's a redirect or is it saying no? And this is a thing I think that all people struggle with because we are creative beings and we are co-creating reality with the infinite, but also with everybody else. And yet when we have these, these desires, these longings, and we start to move towards them, suddenly we find ourselves striving and efforting and, and it, it can be quite fun. I'll share a little quick story that I spent the last year developing a business with a friend, Amy, and we're, we're still great friends, but boy, I mean, we put everything we had into it and we, you know, we did the whole funnel, click funnels and this and that and Kajabi and we took our marketing classes and we, and we were doing everything right. Uh-huh. And, and um, with beautiful intention and we, we had a good time. It was stressful at times, but we, it was also a great deal of fun and it fell flatter than a pancake. And I was like, okay, okay. And so we had to to step back and to consciously wayfind. We had to practice what we were teaching. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah, maybe we should practice what we're teaching here. And uh, so we got a laugh out of that. And then we just got real still and silent. And one of the the first tools we teach in conscious wayfinding is pause, position, and presence. And so the first thing was to simply pause, acknowledge the striving, not make it wrong, because there, I will tell you as a side note, there was some real value in that, mm-hmm. about how much we could do on a, mm-hmm. on a pure active level. Mm-hmm. Um, and our commitment, our dedication. Mm-hmm. But the pause helped us really come back to that inner circle, to really connect with our creative core essence and our heart. And to really listen, because this is the seat of your soul. Mm. And to listen to that which connects us with everything. Mm. And it was from this place that I heard one thing, Amy heard another. Mm. And in this place, I heard slow down and keep it simple. And part of that came from the fact that I, I spent the last two and a half years, almost three years now, in Panama. I got stuck in a lockdown here. And I came in March, early March, and a week later, they shut down the country. Mm. I came to help my father, who was experiencing health challenges, mm. and his health uh, got to the point where he, even with repatriation flights, he could not come home. Mm. So we spent the next two and a half years, uh, the first part of it, in a pretty severe lockdown. And... Um, so there was a lot, there was a lot going on and, you know, moving business online and recreating, what am I going to do? So there, there was a lot of questions going on mm-hmm. and there was a lot of wayfinding. You know, when you're in a situation like that, you definitely want to practice your energy reading skills. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm segueing a little bit from your original thread, mm-hmm. but it, it fits with it because I recognized 
after the two and a half years, but I had spent all that time reading energy because we were allowed to go out once every couple of days, one person, you couldn't go out together for two hours. So three times a week, I could go out for two hours only for groceries and medicines. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I was here with COVID rampaging, no, no health insurance, um, trying to protect my dad, trying to, you know, we had no idea what was going on with the pandemic, very mm-hmm. limited resources. And so I would read the energy before I entered any store. Is it mm-hmm. safe? Is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'd say, no, I'd go this way. There were simple things like I, because of my, my status, I lost my visa. I had a visa for 90 days. And so I became an illegal alien. Right. Okay. So now how do I navigate and avoid the police? So then I was reading the energy there and I managed to avoid the police checkpoints. And then it was, okay, my driver's license has expired. (laughs) Now, now what? So, so it was one thing after another. reading the energy and wayfinding through reading the energy Mm. and after two and a half years I was pretty exhausted because I'm always reading the energy yeah and it's like being a thermometer you're always checking the temperature checking the temperature and we need the balance to not just be the thermometer but to set the energy to be the thermostat Mm to come back to the energy of your center, your heart, and to set the energy from that place. Mm. So I would say that I went slightly off center. I kept coming back to center to read the energy, but I was always reading, not setting the energy. And so that really impacted my, my ability to create consciously. If I am not balancing both of those things. So I am really focused these days on the conscious part and on consciously setting the energy Mm. that I walk through life, my being rather than my doing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm aware as you're speaking, I'm thinking of, yeah, in terms of like archetypes too, or sort of just some other languaging, you know, what you're sharing it is, it can constantly reading the energy ends up becoming its form of hypervigilance. And even if we're kind of doing it, even if we have to come to heart center or soul space to read the energy, which, you know, we do otherwise, again, our conditioning might influence what we're, what we're sensing in ways that um, can make it a little bit less trustworthy to be reflective of what's actually around us right so we know we have to come to center but yeah but but even within that like are we coming to center from this place actually of of which ends up becoming kind of that victim place that like prey place you know when you think about animals prey animals are the ones who are constantly taking the temperature and predators in many ways are the ones that are actually setting the temperature, you know, in the environment, right? Everyone's like, oh, going past, just going to the water hole. Did they just eat? Are they hungry? What's going on? Like, do I need to run? Do I need to hide? Do I, are they going to pass me by? Are they going to come after, you know? And, and that's like, even actually making me, I'm sort of now like shifting slightly there, that 
thread, like following that through to, for, for humans, kind of that idea too, that we're not doing all of this just for humans, because we're part of sort of this larger world. We've sort of put ourselves in this place where we're apex predators, you know? And so in many ways, we are setting the temperature actually for the whole world. We are these thermostats for the entire world. And yet, because we're not doing it consciously, yeah, that question of what, 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 where are we setting that temperature from? And like, what temperature are we setting? And we're, you know, and we're looking and the world is mirroring back to us what temperature we're setting. And so if we're seeing that, um, which is apparently a very, uh, a rising one, (laughs) (laughs) but if we're, yeah, if the world's mirroring that back to us, yeah, that question of then then there's an invitation here for us to to change how we're setting temperature or to to find a different balance in taking temperature and setting temperature than maybe what society has taught us is our role to do. That sort of overculture has kind of taught us is our role to do in the world. I don't know that there's a question there, but just sort of taking some of that into kind of that like bigger picture piece you know as you're saying that I'm recognizing what an incredible privilege it is to be human Mm. we have this amazing responsibility the ability to respond to spirit and to the material world so we we have that ability to be right on the cusp, to have a foot in both worlds. We are given that gift, mm-hmm. but we're often not conscious of it. Mm-hmm. And out of all the creatures, I mean, we're all connected, but we have that conscious responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so that's a power. That is an incredible power. It's not power over. It's not power with. It is it is a power that comes through us Mm. and we are the vessel for that so Mm. conscious wayfinding a lot of people think of wayfinding as kind of wayfinding and you got to find your way and it's a very outward movement Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you know ancient wayfinders had to get very still i remember reading a story of a guy he was out with a master wayfinder and he was taking his final test to become a master wayfinder so they were on, uh, uh, I've forgotten the name of the kind of boat they used in the, in the Pacific Islands. Mm. But he was out with his, his um, master and the winds had come up in the waves and he knew how to read the winds and the waves and he was listening, but he was lost. He could cloud cover, couldn't see the stars. And um, the master simply looked at him and asked him to pause. And when he did, and he came back in, the skies opened up and he could see. Mm. And that, you know, a lot of people think of that as coincidence. But there's something bigger at stake here. There's something far larger Mm. that works with us when we align to it, when we are conscious. And so you talked about the striving and the efforting versus the conscious creation i think the striving actually leads us if we choose if we choose to more consciousness Mm. because when we are aware we're striving we're like okay 
okay, what is and is not working in this relationship right now? Because all life unfolds in relationship. Everything is relationship. So how am I being in relationship right now? What is the quality of my being in relationship to this or that or myself? Mm-hmm. And that is a constant in wayfinding, conscious mm-hmm. wayfinding. Mm. Yeah. That relationality piece. If we are going to create a future that we want to live in, that all beings want to live in, then this has to be forefront, that Mm -hmm. people don't understand their power Mm -hmm. and that they truly matter. And what I mean by matter is how they are, their way of being comes into physical matter. It Mm -hmm. impacts physical matter. And so we have far more power than we realize. Mm -hmm. And that is a tremendous responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm aware recently I've been noticing conversations that have been popping up that have been, hmm, what's the word? I mean, I guess sort of disdainful or dismissive, or like you said, sort of skeptical, or that wasn't the word you used, but um, uh, people who think of things as like coincidence, people who aren't, it it feels like there are a lot of people who are not ready or willing or just haven't yet like acknowledged. I love what you said about it. There's so much, there's something bigger at stake. You know, and I think that's sort of some of it is like someone asked me one time, like, well, what if what if you're making like, you know, I think the conversation was circling around maybe animal teachers or animal guides and kind of the meaning of it. And, you know, and and um, someone asked, like, well, what if all that's just made up? And I'm like, well, but does it matter? You know, if what if like. A, I mean, I don't think that's entirely true, but even so, even if it is made up, does it matter? I think to what matters more is what is it inviting us into? And so even if, you know, and I think it is, it's that question of what's at stake and, and, and where, where do we go? What, what is, what feels possible for us if we don't believe in our power in this way, or if we don't believe that things are relational at that level, if we don't believe um, that everything's connected, if we don't believe in some larger unifying spirit or energy, or that that our souls somehow have some sort of <laughs> electromagnetic gravity, you know, that 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 is influencing ourselves and others. And um, you know, and I I had a conversation recently with someone about sort of mystery and like, yeah, what, what happens when we choose a worldview that doesn't allow for mystery? What happens when we choose a worldview that doesn't, um, that doesn't acknowledge that, that power we have to wayfind and to be in that, 
that level of deep relationality um, that allows for wayfinding. And so I, that's somewhat of an open question and perhaps you have something you <laughs> want to say about it or, yeah, I'm just sitting with that question in some ways. I feel like, yeah, just holding that question in my life. <clears throat> you know, as you, as you speak to that, I'm so aware of man's inhumanity to man right mm -hmm. now mm. and to nature and to the world. And it really comes from that view of separation, mm -hmm. that we are not connected. And from my point of view, life will go on. Mm -hmm. Humanity? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And my work is to help that full spirit come forth. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is any more powerful work however people choose to do it whether it's through shamanism or through business or through um your podcast mm -hmm. but raising consciousness and helping people reconnect with their roots and their power that that pure creative fire and the infinite sacred presence that they carry and to bring that expression forward, I think humanities is at stake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there will be a lot more because we impact so much more. Mm -hmm. But life will go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you were, you were, I want to add a piece. You were talking yeah. about animal teachers. One of the most beautiful things that has unfolded in the last three years here in Panama has been a relationship that my dad started with a local falcon. Mm. And uh, we have a little uh, area, they call it a patio, but it's a green space with a little garden with some big tall trees. And so this falcon, uh, they're called yellow-headed car cars. They're a species of slow-flying falcons. Mm. And it came to visit and it was sitting there and it kept coming back. And so my dad said, why don't you get some of those hot dogs and break them up and put it out there on the bamboo bird feeder where we put bananas for birds. And I said, okay. And slowly over the course of about four months, he came closer and closer and closer. Eventually my dad started putting little things on the rail next to where we eat outside on the terrace and the falcon came to the rail. Mm. And eventually the falcon began to eat out of his hand. Wow. Three years later, we are now in the fourth generation. They bring their babies to visit. Wow. And they all have names. That one is Little Bit. We have El Capitan and Lemoncito and Nino. And they all have these beautiful different personalities. But from my perspective, I think they really saved my dad's life. Mm -hmm. Because there is this incredible relationship they have together. And they know him. I mean, if he's not out on the terrace, they come and they'll sit on a chair close to a window looking inside, looking for him. Yeah. So that relationship, I, I just wish, I was telling my dad the other day, I wish more people had the opportunity to really experience this kind of relationship with wildlife. Because they have something to offer us that is so beautiful. They are our teachers. Mm -hmm. Life is the teacher. Mm -hmm. 
I was in a, a talk series, a workshop series on rewilding myth. And one of the people speaking, um, his name's Sam Lee, and he has a huge passion for the nightingale. And he lives in England, and, and the nightingale is getting increasingly less numerous in England. Um, mm. And, you know, and he leads groups, actually, this is a bucket list thing for me now. <laughs> he leads groups out and they go out in the middle of the night and they sing with the nightingales in oh. the spring when the nightingales come. And so they start to sing and then the nightingale will start to sing back eventually. And they have these beautiful, you know, co-creative musical experiences. And anyway, I got his book for Christmas <clears throat> And, you know, and it was just fascinating to hear him talk about the history of the nightingale and, and how there are a lot of people who, you know, and we see examples of this like throughout the world, but there's any time I sort of read these stories and they really drive home, like how we co-evolve with these different species. And, you know, there, there are some theories, we can't necessarily prove it, but there are some theories, you know, humans have always been able to make sounds, but the learning to make a range of sounds that would allow us to sing and, mm. and as well as like speak and sort of these whole tonal ranges, right? There are many, there are at least a few people who believe that, that we learned that from birds. And you know, and in spiritual spaces and metaphors, we often talk about like birds as the prophets and the messengers because they can fly and they travel between realms, right? And, and you know, and, but, you know, he was talking about how back when humans were, you know, living more in wild spaces, they were literally the prophets because if you spoke the language of birds, it extended our human senses by miles. Because a bird would, you know, the call would come up that a predator was coming. And if humans could knew how to read those different calls, then long before our senses, which in the vast scheme of animal senses are actually fairly finite and relatively weak, you know, we may, we may have the privilege of consciousness, but in terms, you know, in terms of our our physical senses, they are more limited than many other animals in their range. Um, and scope some are anyway, but you know, if you could hear the birds, then long before our other senses would pick up on the predators, you knew the predators were coming. And then he was talking about how they, you know, they think you could even trace, like you could then you'd hear the call and then you'd trace the call through the trees and hear where the, and you could even locate then which direction the predator was coming from and things like that. And and then there was something too about as humans began to migrate out of Africa, you know, and, and what's now Africa and many of the large like mastodons at the time and things like that. So we're talking like ancient, ancient times, you know, but that movement through that movement that influenced the environment and the nightingales preferred um, environment is sort of these coppice trees. So they kind of like, like low sort of scrubby, kinds of of brush and that's their preferred and so there was something about like mastodons and the large mammals and the humans as the ice began withdrawing after the last ice age um and following that ice pattern that then actually created the perfect environment for 
the nightingale. Um, like trees would get knocked down and things would kind of get disturbed in ways that created the perfect environment. And so then the nightingale followed. And so there's this whole, yeah, there's so many stories where there's kind of this whole, when we open ourselves to realizing there's a, that example again of our power and also our responsibility of like that, that relationality um, and how much we matter and also how much we owe to the ones who came before and they're not all humans, you know? And part of what was really beautiful too about this conversation was, you know, where we were kind of landing with too is he was actually talking and I'm, I'm feeling tears come up as I say this. It's like, but how, you know, he was realizing part of why he started singing with nightingales was for the beauty of it and the, the sort of the spiritual ecstatic experience of it. But also, you know, it's the males who are singing to attract the females. The males go back to within a couple miles of where they were hatched, you know, where they were born. <clears throat> and then they have to sing to attract the females down to that space. And, you know, as the numbers are dwindling, he's sitting there wondering how many are singing and will never attract something. And so he was feeling like, what is our responsibility as humans? How are we hospicing um, the world that is right now and that is on a trajectory of changing, you know? And, and again, not saying that's inherently bad or good, cycles happen. And as you said, life will go on and humans may or may not be a part of that. And other species that are influenced by us or more susceptible to our influence may or may not be a part of that. We don't know, but you know, can we be heartbroken together <laughs> in that space? Mm. And that that's maybe where the redemption happens is actually, can we just be heartbroken together? And that, and that may, that to me feels like this pause you've been speaking about, you know, that like, rather than striving to change how things are first, maybe we have to just stop and be heartbroken together. And then some new way, <clears throat> excuse me, starts to kind of possibly unfold from there. And, and yeah, that question of like, how are we hospicing the world and how are we hospicing ourselves and each other? And how are we hospicing the species and, and, you know, and how are we stepping into our power and our responsibility, um, as a form of celebration, as a form of relationship, as a form of hospicing, as a form of like singing back, you know, listening and singing back, um, and I don't, you know, there was just something about that that really feels like it's really landed as something really deep and true within me. And then feels like that sort of like retuning or reorienting that like inner compass a little bit in some ways for me of just that. Yeah, that question of just, it, you know, it feels like for me, I guess maybe, and maybe this is where this is going is, yeah, the this thread is like wayfinding also as grief practice absolutely mm -hmm. and i can really feel the impact of what you just spoke of, of what it had on you i can feel the the reverberation in me i'm mm -hmm. thinking about the the call of the last nightingale calling mm -hmm. for its mate who never responds and it you know it really touches the heart mm -hmm. To, to imagine that, to feel that, and that has happened for species in our world. 
Yeah. And that sacred pause, as many call it, people don't quite understand that the pause is not just stopping what you're doing. It's deeper than that because it's mm. pause, position, and presence. And it is really taking the position out of the doing and the stressing and the striving and really coming back to heart and allowing yourself to be touched by what is. That's the presence, the quality of presence you bearing to that pause. A lot of people dismiss the pauses. Okay, I've stopped. <laughs> you know? Well, not quite. <laughs> it's the three pearls of practice, pause, position, and presence. Yeah. And to allow ourselves to be heartbroken, to allow ourselves to be touched by the grief that living and how we've lived mm -hmm. as a species mm -hmm. has impacted this world. Mm -hmm. It is that that might just save humanity. Mm -hmm. I don't know, yeah. but I like to think it could. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, and I think that grief practice is, you know, when we spoke, when I sort of brought up that thread earlier of like, I'm, you know, when I'm sitting with sort of the the questions people have around sort of whether or not this is true and, you know, mm -hmm. does it make sense and all of that, you know, and, um, you know, for me, I think a lot of it has to do with our capacity to be with grief, actually, like, that's really what's been sort of landing for me is that I think because between doubt and faith is grief, actually, is kind of what comes up for me a lot. And yeah, and that first, yeah, first we have to pause and feel. And, you know, and I think for, for, yeah, for humanity right now, what f comes up maybe first, I mean, oftentimes maybe there's anger first, <laughs> but usually beneath the anger, <laughs> the anger is usually trying to protect something more tender and that tenderness being grief, loss. I mean, so many, so many, like just a profound rupture you know, and in, in a lot of, in the somatic world, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the language of rupture and repair. And, you know, and I, I really appreciate that because I feel like that feels so relational. You know, I think a lot of times trauma has come to feel, trauma and healing have kind of, I don't know, I've started moving away from those words <laughs> because I feel like there's a lot of, um, misunderstanding and and sort of just more baggage that feels like it's around those words now and and I think they've kind of come to they've become I, I feel like they've become pathologized a little bit in the sense mm -hmm. of like they become identities rather than invitations um or like places people want to land and stay rather than portals <laughs> um to, to wayfinding, but yeah, but there's something about the rupture and repair that feels like it, it keeps for me anyway, feels like it keeps things a little bit more in the relationship of it. But, um, so I guess there's, there's kind of, uh, 
what's coming to me with that, that piece, that rupture and repair, you know, if, if, I guess, where does that fit into wayfinding is what I'm sort of sitting with right now. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about grief, I'm reminded of the infinity symbol. Mm. And on one side is the being, and then it moves to the doing, which crosses over. Then it's the having, and then there's the release. Because you cannot keep the flow unless there's a release. Mm -hmm. In the Western world, we are so intent on the having. Mm -hmm. And that release is where the grief, the mm -hmm. rupture and repair resides. Mm -hmm. So without that, we can't have the infinite flow. Mm. It's the natural cycle of life. The being, the doing, the having. The letting go. Mm. And if we are to move out of these identities, the conditioned self, and you're right, I, I hear a lot of people, and I've worked with a lot of people that are stuck in trauma identities, mm -hmm. that they don't want to let go of. Um, but if we stay there, we can't create anything new. Mm -hmm. So when I, I'm very careful when I look at the news not to fall into the, oh, that's so bad. Mm. I may not like it. I may not like what I'm reading. I may not appreciate it. I may not like the impact on people. I may be, my heart may be just wrenched. But I keep coming back and I can release that with a prayer, with presence, with the single candle you lit at the beginning of this conversation mm -hmm. and in community, mm -hmm. not alone. Mm -hmm. We don't have to walk this path alone and the path is made by walking. Mm -hmm. It's not the path that you follow. The path is made by walking right here, right today, right now. Yeah. Mm. That feels like that's sort of bringing us full circle in some ways to kind of where we began a little bit. <clears throat> and so that feels like a good place to maybe start to land the plane for today. Does that feel? That feels accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> hmm. I just want to take a moment and just, um, yeah, noticing I'm feeling a lot of charge in my body from it's powerful <laughs> conversation. And, Absolutely. Um, and they are, you know, I mean, I think that is like that, that when we part of how we know when truth, like that deeper truth, the one that's really inviting us into that presence, inviting us back to that center happens is, is the charge that that sort of that lightning charge and kind of that like, Ooh, and it does, it like <laughs> challenges our capacity to hold it a little bit, you know, and that's when we know that we're, yeah, that we're in something that's, yeah, that's serving our growth. If we, if we choose to let it do that in, in whatever way feels right. 
So, yeah. Mm. Shaking my body. <laughs> you know, I want to thank you, Kate, for this conversation because it's not often I get the chance to just have these kinds of conversations. And uh, just allowing that to come forth and to let the spirit speak through me as well mm. as being the co-creator of that is a real gift. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it's an yeah, it's an honor and pleasure to have you here and to get to have this conversation to share to share this wisdom. And like I said, I mean, I meant that at the beginning that. Yeah, you've been a profound influence on my life. Mm. And so thank, thank you. you. Yeah. So if other people would like to find you, <clears throat> how can they do that? <laughs> they can find me at TammyLeDrew.com. And right now I am keeping true to my word of going slow, keeping mm -hmm. things simple. Mm -hmm. So um the work that i'm doing right now i do small groups uh, i work with individuals and i have something brewing on the horizon but it hasn't the class that's brewing but it hasn't shown itself yet so nothing much to say about that except stay tuned mm, but yeah. they are they're welcome to connect with me if they have questions i'm more than happy to answer them and there is a, a way to connect through my website beautiful Perfect. Then I'll make sure that's in the show notes, your website. And yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's such a beautiful final reminder too about wayfinding that it takes the time it takes. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't get to choose that timing. Nope. We don't so, get to choose the how or the timing. Yeah. If we're yeah. wise, we don't choose the how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we're conscious, I, I should I've say. tried I've tried both. It does <laughs> seem to work better not choosing the how. <laughs> but I, I still go for it <laughs> from time to time. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. Seems like maybe that's part of what it really at the heart of being human too is having all this power and then also also testing it. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. This is a school. Yeah, yeah. We are learning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you, Tammy. Absolutely. My pleasure. Hmm. So yeah. So let's all just as we're kind of closing out our time here, just take another few deep breaths. And yeah, the conversation, I feel like this was a conversation where there were a lot of layers. And so it may be that only one of them feels right to arrive today and that's okay. The conversation will be there to come back to. And so honor, honor what enoughness looks like. for you today, that beautiful invitation for simplicity. <laughs> and so with deep gratitude, we honor each other. We honor the fire, we honor the land again. And we let the ripples of this conversation land in 
in that inner circle, maybe. As well as maybe the middle and the outer. And so as we close out here, we take those ripples with us into our lives and into our spheres. And so thank you for being here for another episode. And as always, um, yeah, sharing the episodes. I think there's spaces and some platforms where you can rate it, rate it or like it or subscribe and all of that just helps it boost it in the algorithm. So people searching for new podcasts can find it. So <laughs> um, yeah, so feel free to to do that. If you'd like to get in touch with me as well, you can do that, kate at wildsacredjourney.com. And if you have anything too for for Tammy and for some reason it feels easier to pass that through me, that's fine. You can do that as well. <laughs> so in the meantime, thank you for being with us and we'll see you around the fire next time. Bye.